0: be different huh I know if I put the Hutchins boys on it it'd be gi- different amen they did a great job if you missed the first part of the service that's just your bad and uh, you ought to get here on time amen but uh, they did something pretty cool in uh, in rapping and all that good stuff I like it just can't do it amen but I'm glad you're here this morning amen father's Day and uh, whenever we we um, Pastor Matt and Eric told me the things that they were going to be kind of surrounding it with. And we talked and, and uh, things that we're going to be doing uh, after service today. Um, just begin to pray about toward the direction that the Lord would have us speak on this morning. And I want to talk to you this morning uh, here on this Father's Day about the theology of sports. The theology of sports. Uh, how many know God can speak to you in anything? If you're listening, He can speak to you walking in the woods. If you're listening, He can speak to you about things and and you see things along the road and and God begins to speak to you about some things. He can speak to you, as Pastor Matt related earlier, through a child. He can speak to you if you're listening for Him. And uh, today I just want to talk to you how God can speak to you through sports. Amen. The theology of sports in Second Timothy chapter two in verse number five, it said, "And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules." Amen. I mean, know oh, you got rules to go by. In every sport, there is a rule that determines the winners, and so you have to play by the rules. In in other words, if if it is football and you've got 12 people on the field, the rules is you play with 11. So if you uh, are playing with 12 men, you're going to have to pay the price for playing with an extra uh, opponent on the field. Uh, The Bible is our roadmap. It is what tells us uh, the way to heaven. It is what declares to us and speaks to us and says that we must live by the principles and the guidelines of the Word of God. Amen. I know that in this modern day, that's not hip. That's not cool. That's not what people want to hear. But God has not changed His mind about anything. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, he said that the the flowers will fade, that the the world will go away, but he said my word will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain the same. Can I, I get an amen this morning? And so if we're going to compete in this life and run for the prize, which is uh, the high calling of Christ Jesus, then we have to abide by the word of God in our lives. We've got to participate according to the word of God. And so that's the reason why we have to get in the word. Look at your neighbor and say, get in the word. Because we've got to know the word of God. If you don't know the rules, then guess what? Just because you don't know the rules does not mean that you don't have to abide by the rules. Right? And so it is our responsibility to get him the word. And when we get him the word and we see, amen, how God desires for us to live, he says, he that knows to do good and does not do it to him, it's wrong, right? It's sin. And so we have to abide by these rules just like they do in sports. And then uh, the next thing that I look in the theology of sports is that relates to uh, our relationship with God. And that is that every sports team has fans. Right? Every sports team has fans. What is a fan? Uh, The word comes from the word fanatic. It it is a person who shows extreme zeal, excessive enthusiasm, and passion about something. That is the same term that should describe you and I as sold-out children of God. Amen. It should describe us as believers that we are those people that have extreme zeal that have excessive enthusiasm, that have a passion about something that says, even if nobody else is doing it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve the Lord, amen? And so we've got to see here today that this word fan, all of these have, uh, the sports team has fans. Uh, I've got a picture here of some fans in case you haven't ever seen any, amen? They have extreme zeal. They are out there tailgating five hours before the game starts. Last year, I believe it was last year, uh, maybe year before last, when Marshall and WVU, that other <laughs> team up the road, they were playing down here in Huntington and I went downtown to get some few things and if my memory serves me correctly it was somewhere between 9 and 10 o'clock and they were already out there with their grills on the side of the road eating brats. Now I like me some brats but I ain't never ate them for breakfast. Uh, but these folks—they're—they're they're got all kinds of enthusiasm. They're—they've uh, got extreme zeal, and they're out there tailgating. They're all out there talking trash, and they're out there uh, with other teammates that have the same kind of mindset. And they begin to uh, get ready for the game. Amen. I, I would love for the day to come when I rolled up in here at seven thirty and had some folk outside. Amen. I know, I know, I know we don't have that kind of zeal, but I'm telling you we need that kind of zeal. We need that kind of zeal that David said, I can't wait. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. With a spirit of expectation that we are there and we are ready to to receive what God has for us. We don't just come to church to go through motions. We don't just come to church so we get a check in heaven and say they've been faithful to the house of God. We come to this place to bring our corporate relationship together so that we can come. Come into this presence of God and worship him in spirit and in truth so that the power of God can be revealed in our lives. I'm telling you, it's something we ought to be excited about. Amen. Amen. And the truth of it is today that we don't even have enough zeal to celebrate God saving us. Amen. 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 I know it's tight, but it's right. Y'all need to not be lazy. Come on. Don't be lazy about celebrating something for God. These, these folks can get up and get out there four hours. I'm not asking you to come to church four hours. I'm asking you to be excited about what God's doing in your life. Amen. Because these folks can go out there for a ball game and get there four hours early to begin to party and celebrate. And, and they that, those teams haven't never done anything for them. I've pastored some folks in football season. They'll come to church and and, and they, you know, Sunday morning, they're all happy. Sunday night, they come in, their head drooping and their chin dragging the ground. I say, what's up with you? Well, we lost today. I say, what's this we lost? What's up with we? "You You ain't never played. You ain't put on the helmet. But they got so connected to it. Are you hearing me? They got so connected with their team that even though they are sitting on the couch drinking a Coke and eating a sandwich, they done got up in that thing and they saying we lost today. Come on, somebody. And I want to tell you, we need to come to a place that we get excited about the goodness of God. Amen. The salvation that has come to our lives, the strength that has come to us, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he has empowered us with, that we begin to celebrate his goodness and his grace, not just when we come to church and everything is clicking just right, but every single day of our lives, we need to be a great fan for Jesus Christ. Amen. Excessive enthusiasm. Now, you know, I I like my my team is the Cowboys, right? I know y'all don't know them, remember them anymore, but they're still a professional team. And I'm faithful to them. I'm loyal to them. Now the New Orleans Saints used to be my my underdog team. I'd root for them, and now they're doing better than my Cowboys. Uh, but, but but I'm loyal to the team. It doesn't matter that they've lost 15 years in a row. It doesn't matter that it's been over a decade since they've been to the Super Bowl, right? It's still my team. Because that's the team that I grew up rooting for, and I don't change teams because they're down. I'm faithful. I'm loyal. Praise God. And, and we've got to have some faithfulness in the house of God. We've got to have some loyalty to the house of God. Not just coming and and being on the team when everything's going good. Not just shouting when everything is right. But, amen, knowing that, hey, it may not all be right. We may have some difficult times, but we're still on the team. We're going to still be loyal. We're still going to be faithful. We're going to still be found in the house of God. Amen. And so we've got to learn how to be loyal and faithful. Because, you see, this generation knows nothing about loyalty. It used to be if an individual started out riding a Ford, guess what? They'd die riding a Ford. Used to be granddad would only buy gas at one place because that's the place he was loyal to. Guess where we buy gas now? That's right, baby. If it's a penny cheaper down the road, we're going to get on down there and get it, right? You see, and that's, that's where we're at. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we've got to be loyal like sports fans are loyal. That no matter, you know, even whenever, you know, how many are old enough to remember the New Orleans Aints? They as embarrassed to even go. Nobody would buy the tickets, but they'd take them a bag and put over their head and cut them out a couple of eye places. And they'd put them over their head, right? But they still showed up because that was their team, glory to God. That's the kind of loyalty that folks had. And I believe today there may be some times in our lives when it isn't easy. There may be some times when we don't feel like it. There may be some times when it is difficult. But we've got to be faithful and loyal to the kingdom of God. Praise God. You see, we, we have these folks that are enthusiastic. And I love the cowboys. But I tell you, and you know, in Corsair in the south. But I'm not getting out there in sub-zero weather. Painting my belly blue and white, come on, and acting a fool for nobody. I don't care if Starbuck comes back. I'm not good enough there and painting my belly blue and white, amen? But these sports fans, look at them, you know, get these wigs on. They paint their faces all up. How I many know that takes time? That takes effort. That don't just happen. And yet we see that, that people put this kind of effort into it because they're fans. But I'm telling you today that when we look at the kingdom of God, we must put uh, effort into it. Not only do they do it, but they do it with passion. They don't show up at the game and say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and go on over there. They go hours early. They get excited. They get pumped up. And they get there and they get involved in the game. It isn't good enough for us just to come to church. We need to come with passion in our hearts. We need to be excited about what God is doing in our lives. Amen. And whenever we do, it will bring us to a place that we can experience God's presence and his power in our lives every single day that we live. We, we don't need a Superman. We need a Clark Kent. We need some daddies, amen. Everybody wants to be a superman. But I want to tell you today that your, your wife doesn't want a superman. Your child doesn't want a superman. That's silly. That's for kids. Come on, somebody. But they want the real you to show up. They want the real daddy. Amen. That will come into the house of God and don't have a a cape on and don't have an S on his chest but comes in and knows enough about God and not ashamed to lift up his hands and worship God and praise his name. They need a daddy that they can see that isn't ashamed to be caught in his room praying and seeking the face of God on their behalf. They need a Clark Kent. Amen. That's not looking for somewhere to hide, but is looking for God's presence and says, God, I need you in my life so I can train up these children in the way that they should go and be passionate about the things of God. Don't just do it one day. Don't just do it for five years, but determine in your heart that you'll finish the journey and you'll finish it well. Glory to God. Here's some pictures of Faithful men, fanatics. That guy there in the top, Arthur, blessed. He's a fanatic. How many have seen him? He's traveled the America and many parts of the world carrying this cross to be a testimony to Jesus Christ because he's in love with Jesus. And he, he's traveled literally around this country walking and go, has went to many countries of the world, carrying this cross everywhere he goes so that he can have the opportunity to sell, tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Now that's a fan. I said that's a fan. Amen. The other guy here in the other corner, that's David Wilkerson. He went on to be with the Lord a few months ago but he is crazy. He's a fanatic. He went into New York, into the Bronx and where the bloods and the crimps were fighting. And he took the love of Jesus to them. Amen. How many have heard of the cross and the switchblade? Nicky Cruz. Amen. David Wilkerson is a result of that. He wouldn't back down the, the, the uh, those people said they was going to kill him. They, they come to lock down his church and say, we're going to take you out. But he stood there, not afraid, wasn't ashamed, but he stood there in the name of Jesus. And not only did they not kill him, but he led them to Jesus Christ. Amen. See, you've got to be persistent. You can't be going up and, and one day telling people, I love the Lord and I love my church. And the next day talking bad about your pastor. Come on, don't be schizophrenic. You can't be talking good about your church one day and and things not go the way you want them to and start talking bad about it because the people you're talking to, they won't listen or remember the good thing. They'll remember the bad thing. And then whenever we get it right, we say, oh, come on over here with me to the house of the Lord. And they say, "That, that church you've been talking about like that? You want me to come up in there with you? Oh, I didn't know it's get that quiet. Maybe I need to stay there a minute. Huh? Don't be flipping back and forth. Don't be one day blessing God and cursing him the next. Don't be going back and forth, but you've got to take a stand for the goodness of God. You've got to be brave and bold. Nikki whenever uh, Wilkerson, Nikki Cruz pulled that knife on him, pulled those guns on him. He could have said, "Ha, couldn't you take a joke?" But he didn't. He said, if you kill me, you kill me, but the truth is still the truth. The word of God remains the same. Come on, somebody. And so he continued to be faithful and persistent in his word. And I'm telling you the consistency of the life of walking the life of Christ, the consistency of being faithful to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you've been around me very much, you'll know that I always say a truth will always outlive the lie. That's the reason why I don't go hunting down demons and I don't run run after people gossiping and criticizing because a truth will always outlive a lie lie come on amen and so if you'll just keep walking faithful and consistent and persistent the word of God will be revealed in your life amen and his promise and his word will come true so you must be faithful fan of Jesus Christ does anybody know the middle man nobody knows him that's him Born in 1918, November the 7th, 93 years old, and still takes an appointment every once in a while to preach the gospel. He was at the Greenbrier, he always comes to the Greenbrier to celebrate his birthday. He brings his staff with him, and one of the men that was over the the uh, cars and transportation. He got the opportunity to meet Dr. Graham and uh, he shared with him where he went to church and talked to him about the church. And uh, he, he told him, he hes Uh, Andy was a young man. He told Andy, uh, he said, uh, told him it was a spirit-filled church. And he told him, he said, in an early age, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit myself. And he said, I'd have never been able to do and accomplish what I would accomplish today if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my life. Amen. And, And even though he said it isn't my God hasn't put a mandate on my life to preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit and get people receiving the baptism. He said, God's put a mandate upon my life to get them saved. And so he said, I stay focused on that. He is passionate about that. He has remained consistent in that. Amen? And 93 years old and nobody can touch him. How many know... That the media today likes to get preachers. I don't throw names around a lot, but cleflow Dollar, right? Great man of God, I believe. Got a great word from God in his life. Uh, but but I told dad, dad called me and said, you see that? I said, I seen it on Friday when it happened. Because on Friday before I left the office, it was already on the front page of him uh, the uh, web page that they had put him in jail. Now, now we put we, the media. I thought, who in the world is going around looking in windows? Huh? Who in the world is going after people? But I'm telling you today, it is an attack of the enemy that comes. But this man has walked in such integrity that they can't even touch him. Amen. And, and, and I say, God, raise up more Billy Grahams. You may never preach in a pulpit. You may never hold a crusade. But you've got a family to, come on. You've got a family to impart unto. You've got a children to raise up. Amen. And if nobody ever knows my name, if nobody ever says I was uh, saved under that ministry, to God be the glory for those who have been. But if nobody else does, if I can impart unto Jordan and destiny, amen, and raise them up that they know Dad is a Dad of integrity, then I'll say that I have done a good job. Come on, somebody. Amen. Let me talk to you about the principles real quick in sports. Principle number one is baseball from baseball, and that is keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. Principle number one comes from this baseball. Keep your eye on the ball because we have a tendency when the ball is coming toward us, the closer that the ball gets, the less we keep watching the ball, right? And when we do not watch the ball all the way in, then we... uh, neglect that, then we miss the ball. And I want to tell you today that we're closer today to the end of this thing than we ever have been. Amen. The signs of the time are lining up. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't even have to be super spiritual. All you've got to do is look at the news every once in a while, and you'll realize that, the amen, all of the ends of the time and the signs of the time are lining up, and we're coming to the end of this thing, and we need to keep our eye on the prize. Glory to God. He he tells us in Philippians 3 and 13, Brother, I do not count myself but to apprehend, but this one thing, say one thing, thing this one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind reaching forward to those things that are ahead i press toward the prize or the goal of the upward and for the prize of the upward calling of god in christ jesus therefore let us as many as are mature have this mind have what mind have this mind to forget everything else but this one thing Amen. What is this one thing? My mind must, my focus must be upon Jesus. Amen. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. And so therefore, all of the things may be going on around me. The fans may be hollering. The circumstances may be intense. But what I've got to do is remember that I've got to keep my mind, my eye on the prize. Glory to God. And I'm telling you today, my brothers and sisters, we're closer than we've ever been to this thing. And we cannot give up now. But we must keep our eye on the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus and not be afraid to stand up and say that I am a believer in the child of a living God and that I will not vary from that. I will not waver from that. I still believe the word of God is true. I still believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I still believe the blood of Jesus is more than enough to wash away all of my sin and my stain and whenever I'm to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Come on and praise him here this morning. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, keep your eye on Jesus. The second principle comes from golf. And that is this, it's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. It don't do you no good to be able to hit the ball 400 yards. If it's in the lake. Amen. It doesn't do no good to be able to hit the ball, drive the ball long distances if it's in the woods. And so we have to. It ain't how you drive the ball. It doesn't even matter if you shoot the ball to hit the ball straight down the fairway and, and land on the green. If you can't put the ball, one hit. To get it on the green and 16 to get it in that little hole. It isn't how you drive. It's how you arrive. It's not he who begins, but he who finishes. Because there's a lot of folk folks that have started the race, but haven't finished the race. He who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And so we have to endure some things. We have to go through some things. And it isn't all about how we start. It's how we arrive. And First Timothy chapter 6, he said, Fight the good fight of faith. Hold on to eternal life to which we were also called and have confidence that the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Second Timothy 4, he said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. And henceforth, there is up for me a crown of righteousness but not for just me but everyone that looketh or loveth his appearing praise God and so today Paul says come on young Timothy I've fought the fight I've already ran the race I've kept my eye on Christ and now I'm coming to the end of this thing I've driven I've went as far as I can go but now I'm coming to an arrival and he says I've been faithful I've been persistent and consistent I've been a fan of Jesus and says, said now I'm ready to finish the race and he said there's a crown waiting on me but I want you to know something Timothy it doesn't isn't just for me but if you'll run this race glory to God if you'll be faithful in this race if you'll arrive you're going to have a crown as well amen and I would to God that we today would understand it's not about how we start we may be wiggle and wobbling. we may be here and there it, we may be on one side of the farewell and then the next but as long as we keep on pushing toward the mark of the prize as long as we continue to be faithful and committed it's how we arrive and we want to be there in that same place that paul was that said i have fought a good fight i've kept the faith and i'm going on because the prize is waiting on me hallelujah come on and give him praise here this morning Principle number three comes from football, and that is a best defense is a good offense. The best defense is a good offense. If you have a good offense, you don't have to worry about the defense. Right? I thought I might have more sports fans in here than this. Well, let me just tell you, if you got a good offense, you don't have to worry about the defense. Because the defense can't stop a good offense. Amen. But you see, in 1 Samuel, we see in chapter 17, in verse 40, that we see that David, he he began to come up against Goliath and how that his brothers, they, the defense was holding the offense back. And how that his brothers were afraid of this defense. And yet David came and the Bible said he got five smooth stones. He put them in his pocket and he went out there and said, Who do you think you're defying? Who is this? And then the scripture says something interesting. It didn't say that he waited for the giant to come to him. But the Bible said that he came and said, I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowl of the air. You know this story, right? He said, I'm going to devour you. You've sent me a little boy. But David said, hey, I'm not afraid of your intimidation. I'm not afraid of what you have to say. Because he said, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Glory to God. And I'm here this morning to tell you that the scripture is interesting. He said he ran to the enemy. Why do we wait for the wolf to come to our house? Why do we wait, amen, for the enemy to come in before we ever begin to have an offense? Whenever we was in, uh, in Lewisburg in, in the backyard where I lived out in the country and, and I looked across the field one day and I seen a panther in the field behind my house. I thought at first it was a young calf and I got the, it's a panther. And so I called the DNR and I said, uh, what you do with panthers? He said, we don't have panthers in West Virginia. I said, so there won't be a problem if I kill it. He said, if you kill it, I'll have to give you a ticket. But you know what? I seen how close that that Panther was to my house and my children were there and my children played in the backyard. I, you know, I I respect the law. I try to abide by the law, but I went ahead and loaded my gun to put it up in a place close to the back door in case that panther was to come up in my yard because I'm not about to allow a man, some a cat to come out there and devour or hurt one of my children. Come on somebody. Why would we do any less in the spirit realm where that we would allow the devil to come up, wait until he comes up in our house and destroys them, binds them up with addictions causes them to not know who they are and then we just set there and say, well, we just need to pray the blood, the blood. No, you need to rise up and say, I'm going to take an offense in this thing. I'm not going to wait till he gets to my house, but I'm taking authority and dominion. I'm going to speak the word every day over my children. I'm not going to wait till they get married. I'm praying every single day for my children that they find the right spouse right now. I'm believing God that when the time comes, I'm not rushing anything. Come on, but I'm praying over them and covering them with the word of God that God's going to raise up the spouse in right time at the right season. Amen. And they're going to have a blessed marriage. Glory to God. I prayed for my children before they ever born. Renee can tell you. I laid hands on her belly and I said I take authority over every assignment of hell that would come against my son or come against my daughter. I speak the word of life and strength and hope into them. I declared the why. I wasn't going to wait till the enemy come, but I spoke health into their life, strength into their life before they ever got into the earth because I'm going to take an offense against this thing. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and we need to take the offense to the devil and say we're coming after you wherever you are. We're going to come after our schools. We're going to come after our businesses. We're going to come after our families. We're not leaving anybody behind but we're going to take everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh come on and pray Him right up in here this morning. You got to know your opponent, you got to know your enemy. You can put locks all over your windows, put six locks on your front door, but if the thief is a car thief, it don't matter. Come on. You gotta know what he's after. And so you're locking up the wrong thing, but you've got to take the the, these teams, they have playbooks, they have reels, they're watching their opponent, right? And they watch it weeks on end, preparing for the one that they're going to go up against. And so you gotta study the playbook, you got to know your opponent. And that's the reason why God has given us the word of God. So that we can study our opponent. The scripture says that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the scripture doesn't say he is a roaring lion. There's only one lion. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he is like the lion. Why is he like the lion? Because the devil, it doesn't have the ability to create. He's a mimicker. He mimics what the creator has done. And so you've got to take the playbook and you've got to study the book because you see, he is not got nothing new today. Can I tell you the same thing that took out Adam still taking people out today? The same thing that he used against a man that Samson, he is still using today. Why? Because he cannot create anything new. He's still using the same thing today that he has used in the past. So why not get him the playbook? Why not get him the reel and begin to look at how he has worked against other people, brought other people down, brought other great men of God down, and run that reel, learn how he works, so you can stand in authority and dominion... And say you've got to bring something better than that. I know how you operate. You're the liar and the father of lies. Amen. And I've done been to the film room. I've seen how it's worked on others. But it's not going to work on me. I know the word of God. I know the truth of the word. And I'm going to stand firm upon the word of the living God. Amen. Number four principle comes from Basketball. And that is this, teamwork makes the team work. Amen. Sorry for being behind. I hadn't got to watch it the last couple of nights. Who's ahead? Heats? Tide? I mean, no, that joker. Braun James, bad. Okay, none of y'all know. <laughs> He's bad, but he ain't that bad. <laughs> He's only one man. And others, Cleveland, how many times is Cleveland to the big house and never made it? Because they're relying on one man and not the team. I want to tell you today, God has called us to work together. Amen. Ministries have risen and ministries have failed. I remember a great ministry and I'm not not saying negative about them, but only a statement that was made that said, I have been called to the world, to reach the world. Only for a few months later to not even be in ministry. We ain't out here by ourselves, brothers and sisters. We have been called, and the theology of sports is that we must work together as a team. Amen? Basketball is a team game. Basketball is a game in motion. I mean, no, that's the reason fat guys don't play. You can be 400 pounds and get on the line, but you ain't getting out there shooting no hoop. Come on. (laughs) Because halfway down the court. (laughs) I know, I've tried it twice. Amen. But it's a game of motion. You run to one end only to run back to the other end, run to the other end and run and back and forth. It's always a game of motion. But you've got to know your position. You've got to know if you're, if you're used going to be in uh, those five men, you've got to know what position you're in. And you've got to move according to that position. You've got to move while everybody else is moving. You've got to be aware of where everyone else is at. And you've got to stay in that position. Amen. And you've got to set up your defense around the basket. Whenever you've got to get around that basket and whenever they're coming down there, you've got to put it on. You've got to work hard at it. And you've got to keep the ball from going into the basket. And, and and then you've got to not only do that, but you've got to change the direction that the ball is going. Can I tell you that you've got to protect your hoop today? You've got to protect your family. You need to feed into them, speak into them, bring them to the house of God. Don't just show them the way. They're getting a the car with your mom and go on to church. It isn't good enough. Get in the church van and go to church. No, you need to bring them to the house of God. They need to seek daddy. They need to see granddaddy being in the house of the Lord, lifting their hands and worshiping God, be an example to them, right? But then you've got to change the direction of the ball. Amen. And that's what the scripture says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says that we're all a part of the team. He said, now... If my, he said that we all have different parts, but we're all the same body. You with me? He said, if the eyes said I'm not needed, then he said, how could we see? If the hand said I'm not needed, how could, we, how could we feel? You know, I've always wanted to have hands on my eyes. So I could just go around the corner and look. Y'all yeah, get that later. But how many know I'd be weird if I raised my hand and had an eyeball in the middle of it? Because that's not where eyes are to belong. But God created this body. If I had ears on my feet, I could never hear nothing but walking. God designed this body in order and structured it the way that he did so that it can function to its highest potential and ability. And I want to tell you today that you may say, well, I'm not all of that. Nobody knows who I am. But I want to tell you today that God knows who you are. And in your rightful place, you will be blessed. Amen. The Bible said the anointing starts on the head and flows down the head and touches every part of the body. You don't even have to be seen to be anointed. You just got to be in the place that God has called you to be amen and if you' be in the place that god has called you to be you're going to receive the anointing that god has for your life and so we have to be in this teamwork so that we can make the team work and be able to accomplish what god has said and so wherever you are in the body let me encourage you not to say i wish i was a hand if you're an ear not to say i wish i was this that or the other but know that god has specifically called you and he has created you the way that you are so that you can fulfill Feel a specific task that he has for your life. Amen. The Bible, I was reading it the other day. He said, every hair on your head is numbered. (laughs) He's staying up with me. Y'all slow today. I got to thinking about that, Clint. That don't mean I've just got 2,306 left. That means when that one fell out this morning, he said that was number 2,028. Because he didn't say the hairs that I have, how many, he said they're numbered. That's how much God cares about you and I. And I'm telling you today that he wants us to work together so that we can advance the kingdom and people in the earth will see the goodness of the living God. Number five, my last one, the principle comes from soccer and it's all about the push. Say push. Soccer is about push. Three of you said it. That's pretty good. Push is the term in soccer uh, for a certain type of kick, it's not a kick that you kick it halfway down the field. It's push means that it's a particular kick that you kick it with persi- consistency and preciseness and you're sending it to another individual just a little ways from you. It's the most used kick in soccer. It's to advance the ball a little bit at a time. Amen. Push. If you don't communicate you're, you're good, you cannot push the ball down the field. Right. And so you have to communicate with your your team and say, just go out there a little bit to the right. I'm going to push it to you. And now they're taking that ball one to the other. They're communicating and they're pushing the ball down the field until they get it to the goal. Amen. And another thing about soccer is this. It's not the size of the player. It's the heart of the player. Amen. If you've got heart, it don't matter how big or how small you are. You can get him there and play the game. Come on, somebody. And I want to tell you today that God has called us to push in the body of Christ. It isn't about trying to kick the ball all the way into the goal, at, a, at you know, from one end of the field to the other. It's about being persistent. It's about being precise. And it's about, amen, that push means pray until something happens pray until something happens not trying to get it uh, you know all the way down the field but I'm pushing it with consistency with preciseness I'm believing God today that might for my daily bread I'm believing God that today he is going to work in my life and every day of my life I'm praying and seeking the face of God one great man of God was asked the question how many hours have you spent in prayer and he I believe it was Billy Sunday and he replied to that and said I never recall Paul, one hour completely that I spent in prayer, but neither can I remember an hour go by that I have not prayed. I want to tell you it's about that persistency. It's about pushing on the gate of heaven. It's about seeking the face of God. It's about being in that consistent, persistent relationship that when you push, you're pushing God's will, his promises toward the goal. And he, that's why Paul looked back and said, I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize. I'm pushing this thing forward. I'm going a little bit at a time. I've been through shipwreck. I've been through trouble. I've been beaten with rods, but I'm still pushing this thing. Hallelujah. I'm going on. Why? Because he said, you've got to endure like a hard soldier. It isn't all going to fall in place. It isn't going to be easy, but keep on pushing it, baby. Keep on seeking the face of God. Keep on believing God for your family to be saved. Keep on believing God and pushing on that word for healing to come to your body Because the Bible said healing is the children's bread. It doesn't matter if others have died. It doesn't matter if others have lost out. You keep on believing the word of God. Keep on believing the promise and push on it. Amen. And God will bring you to a place that you will win the goal and you will win the prize. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him don't give up. You got to Push. I'm done. Stand with me. That's pretty good for losing my sermon at 10.30 last night in cyberspace, wasn't it? I don't know where it's at. It's out there somewhere. How many know the theology of God's word will work in your life?